CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. from the Nasdaq market side here watching options action on this wild day for stocks. The Dow plunging 666 points, closing near the lows of the session, the sixth biggest points decline ever for the index. Of course, on a percentage basis, it wasn't nearly as bad. S&P and Nasdaq also reeling the S&P falling 2% for its worst day since September 2016. And the VIX surging to its highest level since the election. We'll have more on how to protect yourself later on in the show. But we start off tonight with the biggest stock in the market, Apple, falling out of favor. Shares sinking 4% today, officially entering a correction down more than 10% from its highs hit just two weeks ago. So should you step in and buy here or you just stay away? Let's get into the money right now. So Dan, how are you trading this move? Well, it's a tough one. I mean, the stock obviously closed pretty poorly today, uh, down on its lows, down about 11% from those all-time highs it just made just a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is one of the best stories in the market. I think what's most important to reflect on today is like, you can try to guess why the S&P 500 sold off today. We know why Apple sold off today. There's something fundamentally that's changed. And a big part of that is for the last year, there's this, been this notion that there's going to be this upgrade super cycle because this 10-year anniversary iPhone. Well, last night's results told us, no matter what anyone else is telling you, that there's not going to be an upgrade super cycle. What they did was, is they played a really good trick on their most faithful customers, is they raised prices on iPhones. And therefore, their ASPs, their average selling prices on the 77 million phones that they did sell last quarter were much, much higher year over year. And that's fantastic for this company. It meant good margins. The concern with the company right now now is that they missed by 3 million units in that quarter. The channel inventory is at its highest it's ever been at 4 million, and people think that they're going to miss for the next couple quarters. But here's the thing. A lot of damage has been done. This is all known. The company did say that they're going to be buying a buttload of stock back Okay, in the next year. They're going to announce that in April. I think the stock could have some downside, probably a bit more orderly than the last couple weeks, over the next few weeks. But at that point, if you get back to maybe 150, which looks like a really good support level there, it's a double bottom from September and August right there. Then you want to get in. So how do I play this right now? I think you have implied volatility. The price of options pretty elevated. We already have that move um, showing really poor relative strength. I would look to start nibbling next week. I'm just going to use this as an example. When the stock was 160.50 on the close today, you could look out to March expiration. That's six weeks away. And you could sell the March 150 put at about $2. And if you're doing that, you're going to take in one and a quarter percent if the stock is above 150. So to me, I like this as nibbling in Apple after the news is out and then getting ready for, you know, what should be a better news cycle in April. And here's the thing. Worst case scenario, the stock's below 150 in March expiration. One contract short, you are long, 100 shares of stock, and that's where you get long so down it, 6.5%. It, it's interesting in Apple in particular because, of course, they have $165 billion in net cash on the balance sheet. And what is interesting about that is as a stock begins to decline and an ever larger percentage of the market cap that you have is actually just a big pile of cash, that helps create a fundamental layer of support underneath it, which is why I like selling puts in stocks like Apple in particular when volatility goes up because actually in a name like that, Cash doesn't have much volatility in an environment like this, so the implied volatility should actually be coming down at those lower strikes. I like the trade a lot. I think it bounces on Monday. Um, it bounces on Monday. That's my, that's my hunch. I mean, we've come down fairly quickly. It is at two to three times the rate of the market. It is a lower beta stock than the market, and you're now into support. Now, 
thing to know about support is support is not a plywood board or, or mat it, it, you sink into it, right? You don't stop. You often sink. You're into support now. Can it go day-to-day -day lower? Sure. Could it go all the way to Dan's line? But I think you've got to start now in the nibbling process. How does that make you feel? Yeah, so what's really important, let's talk about the trade for a second. Yeah. So let's just say at 160, you were to sell that 150 put at $2. And let's say on March expiration, the stock is at 150, okay? So you have, you know, the, the, the implied volatility, uh, you know, or, or the, actually the value of that option is going to increase pretty dramatically. So you're going to have a decision to make. If the stock stops tomorrow and goes up, that, that put is going to lose a lot of value here, and you're going to be able just to take in that premium. So to me, this is a basically a high probability to make a little well, money. The options market is saying there's almost an 80% probability that you're going to make money on this Well, trade. here's one quick thing to think about. You sell that put, you're willing to buy the stock yep. for $148. If you do have the stock put to you at $148 and volatility remains high, you can then go about selling calls in that until you get called out of it and just go into this process and basically spend some time collecting premium. There haven't been a lot of places to collect premium or to collect yield in the marketplace for the last couple of years, and now we're starting to see some signs. If there's something positive we can take out of today, that's it. And volatility, implied volatility, here's what about So can I make one last point? If, if you're long this stock and you were thinking about adding to it, this is actually a great way to add some yield to that position without adding a whole heck of a lot of risk at the money here. So if you're long this stock, I like the idea of selling downside puts. All right. Well, it was a sea of red today for the markets, but one sector was hit the hardest, and that is energy, plunging nearly 4% for its worst day in two years. The group falling 7% this week. This is crude, has held up relatively well, still hovering around its highest level in three years. So will oil follow stocks lower? Carter, why don't you show us at the plasma we found? Yeah, let's go. So I, I think, yeah, sure, crude's got downside risk versus upside potential, or at least at a ratio that's undesirable. We know cyclical things get pounded harder than anything when things go wrong. You saw that in energy today. Uh, you saw it in certain industrials this week. Here's crude oil. Here's the chart. Here are the lines. Well-defined. And I'm thinking that just as every other time we've sort of failed at or near the high and we've also bounced off the low, that we're due for more to the downside. It's still at or near highs. Let's look at a few other charts. This is the chart comparing the commodity and the XLE. We know that the stocks have started to turn down, and essentially crude has gone its own way. That's probably uh, the tell that this is ultimately not going to keep going, uh, my thinking. All right. Then there is this issue, the relationship between commodities in general and the currency, U.S. dollar, but also crude. You see this inverse relationship. The, the presumption is we've reached about the limit, right? So that this is here, this is here, and then I want to play for some sort of convergence. Okay, so crude and the dollar. Here's the dollar long term going back to. We've sold off quite a bit. I think we bounce here for the following reason. Here's the line, well-defined tops at a common level, and the presumption is we bounce here. So my bet is dollar higher, which would then, if the relationship works out, this converges. Here's our USO, putting the lines this way. Sell off to the pivot point, putting the lines this way. Sell off to the wedge. Any way you get it, I want to be short crude. How are you trading crude, Mike? Well, I, I think 
very quickly, I mean, I haven't been very bullish on crude despite this rally. And one of the reasons is, of course, we have been seeing U.S. production ramp. And also the other thing that would potentially support it as the U.S. becomes the biggest producer of crude oil in the world is production cuts abroad, except that they have essentially, I think, pulled back their production in a way to stabilize crude prices where they could. <laughs> I'm speaking about Russia and Saudi Arabia in particular here. So there isn't a whole lot that they could do to bolster crude prices as horizontal drilling and fracking and lower costs of production in that area are basically spelling the story. And on top of that, in the industrialized world, we are seeing demand drop. And so that's not really a good recipe overall. And USO, which he pointed to, is also interesting because USO is a fund. It has fees in it. So if you take a look at the longer-term performance of USO versus crude oil, you're going to see it actually underperforms. So I think the way to play this, I was looking out to April, the 12.5, 11.5 put spread, that's a $1 put spread. You could spend $0.20 cents to buy that, paying $0.35 cents for the 12.5, selling the other ones against it for 15 that has a pretty good risk-reward relationship. We usually are looking for, you know, maybe we pay a quarter of it. Here we're paying a fifth. I kind of like the way that plays out, I think, for the next few months. Yeah, so uh, it's very dollar cheap, right? So you're risking 20 to obviously make 40 if the thing is down at 11 and a half. And the, the thing that I really like about this trade is that you have until mid-April for this to play out. And you're really looking for a retracement of just the move over, what, the last four or five weeks or so. So to me, this is a much better way than shorting this USO um, ETF. While it doesn't look like you have a whole heck of a lot of risk, this is a really nice way to do it to find risk. Well, you're actually risking 20 to make 80, not not 40, because it's a $1 oh, spread. Yes, so right. you, uh, so that, that's, you know pretty good payoff, four to one. I think Dan's you know, point about it's just proposing that you undo the recent sort of week over week advance, not some great collapse. It would just put you back to trend, put you back to the breakout point. What does this mean for energy stocks, which were real underperformers in today's session? Well, I mean, so they have both uh, idiosyncratic. They have news. Uh, we know Exxon was uh, news related. But they also have the burden that if indeed the commodity does have a sort of a give back of some import, that they will also suffer. So you have to assume that it's not a good place to be relative to other parts of the equity market. You need production and proven reserve replacement for the integrated oils, and you're, you, we haven't seen that for Exxon now for some time. And, you know, again, we could either just say it's a, you know, that's the asset, or we could also say perhaps they're not investing as much as they want to, and if they're not, maybe we don't want to either. So you would be inclined to maybe put a bearish bet on energy on, stocks. Yes, on, well, as yeah, well as and so it's interesting because in the energy space, uh. the service companies, those are ones I like. Halliburton is my favorite in that space. But that's a different story fundamentally than the integrated oils. You should think about them as a proxy for oil itself. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. More than 100,000 of you have. So don't be the last one in. In the meantime, here's what's coming up next. We'll show you how you can protect your whole portfolio for close to nothing. Plus, calling all Options Action fans... Got a market question on this big sell-off? Tweet us at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. The market's getting crushed, and that had the VIX doing something it hasn't done in a while. Bob Pisani's at the New York Stock Exchange with more. Hi, Bob. Hello, Melissa. Three issues have the markets rattled. Rising rates are far and away the most important issue, but there's also some political risk and today a little bit of earnings disappointments. The VIX, or the volatility index, briefly moved over 17 today, the highest level since just before the election. Now, this sudden move up this week, the VIX, by the way, it was 11 last week, 
is a bit of a surprise. For most of the year, the demand to buy protection has been dropping. So investors have had the opposite concerns. It's been fear of missing out, FOMO, you know that word? Not fear of losing out, FOLO, I just invented that word. Investors were buying calls to capture the upsize in the market. They were not buying puts to protect against the downside. Now, what does this sudden spike in volatility tell us? Are investors really panicking? For the moment, I don't think so. Now, when the markets have a sudden notable move down, as it's had for three days this week, the VIX will invariably go up because as the market drops, the cost of buying protection goes up, VIX goes up. But VIX futures contracts for the next several months are lower priced than the front month contract. This usually indicates a short-term panic that will subside. That's happened in the past. We'll see if that happens now. Also, if you look at the cost of buying protection way out of the money for the S&P 500, the price for buying puts, say, let's just say 5% below where the market is now. The price for buying that protection has increased, but it's not at a level that would suggest true panic. It's not the kind of, I don't care, I'll buy any protection at any price down the road kind of panic. By the way, the S&P saw its first 2% pullback in 351 trading days today since September 9th of 2016. And the price of options were up, but they weren't up dramatically. And I think that's kind of important. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thanks, Bob. Have a good weekend. Bob Bassani at the NYSE. So if you're worried about more selling, what should you do? Mike's over at the Plasma with the portfolio protection play. And just briefly, Mike, what, how did you interpret the spike in the VIX? Uh, well, there's a couple things that are going on when you see a spike in the VIX like that. And it, it isn't really a huge spike. Bob sort of alluded to this. If you take a look at how the market has behaved over 30 days with the VIX at approximately this level, the absolute worst 30-day period you've seen since January of 1990 is down a little over 16%. That's obviously very sharp, peak to trough, but, you know, we've already seen a little bit of that decline already. So, I mean, even in the worst case, we're not seeing, you know, absolute bottom falling out. And another point I would make is the market is still higher right now. So when you're looking to hedge your portfolio, there is, in fact, still some time to do that. The first thing you need to do, of course, is find a portfolio proxy. Um, look for an ETF that looks like your portfolio. For most people, that's going to be SPY. The next thing you want to think about is, am I protecting against a dip or an outright crash? And then finally, just something to think about when options prices are high or higher, as they obviously are right now, Think about using spread. So let's just take a look at what the VIX has done. You can see, obviously, that it has risen quite sharply. Um, but as I just pointed out, you know, we aren't quite at full-on panic mode prices yet. Also, we can see, obviously, the S&P has rolled over here. But if we take a look at where we were at the end of last year, we're still higher. So not too late to hedge. What was I taking a look at? Specifically, I was looking out to March. You could buy the 275-260 put spread for $2.65. So if we actually went back to that earlier chart, it'll give you a sense of how much protection that affords you. And we're not likely to gap lower. So a trade like this is going to give you some protection and also some time to think about other things you could do if it becomes necessary. What do you think of Mike's trade and the levels Mike chooses? I mean, the levels are good. We, uh, we talk about it a lot. I, I, I think the, the key issue is we know equities have come a long way. We know, in fact, people have been gorging on equities. And how ironic that the thought was, well, if you have the great end of the bond market bull, money would come out of the bond market and go into equities. That didn't happen, did it, <laughs> at all. So presumptively, there's downside. At some point, it will find support day to day. And even if it's going meaningfully lower, you get rebounds. And so Monday, as difficult as it will be to figure out whether it immediately follows through the downside or you do get a rebound, um, it's after the initial day, 
two, that's Monday, Tuesday, that you can really start to figure out what's coming. Yeah, I would just say this. I mean, you know, I haven't been a bull by any means over the last few months here. And when I look at this parabolic behavior, I, I can't see anything more healthy than a five or six percent correction after this parabolic move. If you are a long term bull or you just think that 2018 is going to be a great year, that three percent on the 10 year is not going to be a big deal and all this sort of stuff and everything's going great. You really need a pullback like this because what were you going to do? Were you going to buy Amazon this morning when it gapped up five percent? Were you, you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. So to me, I just don't think there's any reason to panic here, especially if you've been long and strong for this 400 day period where we haven't had a three percent peak to trough. If you are a, sort of a what you call prudent investor of some size and uh, import, you've been trimming into this all the way. It's not as though you were buying at the highs every day. And if you were, without sounding like a real jerk, you deserve what happened to you today. Yeah. And, you know, to just going back to the whole issue of panic, options prices, the fact that premiums are higher, how much higher are they? Take a look at this put spread. Okay, so it's $2.65. That goes out to April in this case. It costs less than 1% of the current level of SPY, protects you down to the 260 level. That's not off the charts expensive when you think about getting some insurance, uh, especially when you consider the market's still higher. You have to year. be careful. I mean, you could spend money on insurance and keep spending money and spending money, and that could detract from your return. So how, at what point do you decide, you, you know could, what, I'm not going to, or this a, is too costly? That is a very good point. I think one other point, though, that's important to make is that if you own SPY, for example, it does pay a dividend, okay? So some of that is going to be financed by that. That also elevates the price of puts all, all else equal. But, you know, that is a point I think that's worth some consideration. Yeah, I would just add, Mike just said it. I mean, this 15 wide put spread that is actually near the money and it goes out to mid-April costs about 1% of the stock price. So if today caught you off guard and we get a little bounce tomorrow morning and you say, you know what, I don't want to live through a week where we're going to have three days like this, this is a great way to slap on some protection. All right, still ahead. Alphabet tanking. The stock's sinking 5% on the heels of earnings last night, but the chart master says there could be relief in the charts. We'll give us all the details. Plus, have a question about today's sell-off. Tweet us at Options Action. The traders will answer them later on in the show. Much more Options Action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Now, last week, Cohen Carter said Alphabet was gearing up for a big rally on earnings. Google not as, has been underperforming the tech sector, underperforming for almost two years, and it is just now starting to outperform and break above trend. That's a key setup. I think you want to play Google long into its number. I think the way to play this is to buy a call spread. I was looking at the February 1185, 1270 call spread. But it was a miss. The tech giant sinking more than 5% today. So, Mike, how are you trading Alphabet now? You know, it, obviously far better to buy the call spread than the stock, but in any case, we got the direction wrong. The thing is, I still like the stock. I still think it's a decent valuation. I think the market over-responded to this, uh, and I actually would roll out and down, actually, in this case, because the stock is lower. I'm with you on that. Obviously, we got smoked. It, it gapped down. The idea was it would gap up on earnings, but the gap down leaves it at something of a level of support. I think we kicked the can down the road. All right, moving on. Also last week, Dan said the IBB Biotech ETF had more room to run. Just made new 52-week highs, but those 2015 all-time highs are about 10% away. So to me, I looked at March expiration today when the stock was trading. The ETF was 117.75. You could buy the March 120, 130 call spread, paying two and a quarter for that, buying one of the March 120 uh, calls for 255, selling one of the 130s at uh, 25 cents. 
But that was a bust, too. The biotech ETF down more than 3% since then. So what are you doing now, Dan? Uh, I think we all got a little overzealous of the deaths last Friday. I mean, this is a bad trade. Obviously, the entry was bad. It was a failed breakout. Um, at this point now, I have until March expiration with a break-even uh, up at 122 and a quarter. This spread, uh, cost two and a quarter, is now worth about 80 cents or so. I like to use a 50% premium stop on long premium trades here. So this one is a cut and run. It's got a very low probability between now and March of being in the money. At least the trade is. Could the IBB come back? Sure, but this is the wrong trade now. And what do you think of the looking out a little longer term about this dip? Is I like it. Of, I mean, yeah, so, exactly. so it's uh, the it's back a nice and flag. Yes. It's down to support. My trade doesn't work. I bought the high, and now I have a very low probability of success. So I would maybe take that premium and think about how do I set up to get something that has a higher probability over maybe a long Selling time. puts or selling put spreads, kind of like you did in Apple, would certainly fit the bill. Thank you, Professor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> rebound potential is, is at hand, I think. Okay. Up next, we got your tweets and the final call from the options bits. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets here. First tweet is from Christos, who asks, as someone who turns 18 tomorrow and wants to start getting into the market soon, should I be scared right now? Well, first of all, happy birthday to you, Christos, in advance. Mike, what do you say to Christos? Absolutely not. You shouldn't. You have your entire investing lifespan ahead of you. You have no idea how many cycles you're going to see between now and then. So I think you should be excited, but not So buy Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> start with that. Sure. He, he sure. did not say you, that. You, you, may, you may learn some lessons very quickly if you do that. All right. Our next tweet is from Binkus, who asks, I sold a June City 72.5, 67.5 foot spread. Any comments? Dan. Yeah, if you think the stock is going to stay above 72.5, it's a good one. Carter, you think it's going to stay above 72.5? Yeah, I think you're fine. you got time, and uh, just you put it on. Let's stick with it. All right. There you go, Binkus. Time for our final call. Last one from the options pits. Carter. I want to be short crude oil here using the USO ETF. Mike It's not too late to hedge if you need to. SPY March 275, 60 put spreads. Dan. Yeah, so if you're long Apple or you're thinking about it, I like the idea of selling downside puts in March as a way to kind of leg into it. All right. It looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee for more options action. Check out the website. Meantime, special edition of Mad Money is coming at you right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.